0: well 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 welcome back to another on the road special the Ham Palace. Oh, we're gonna start off the show. I know it's been a while. It's, it's you know, it's, it's always been a while. But uh, I'm gonna keep this one in the 10 minute range. Uh, I'll be interviewing a good uh, associate, good friend of mine. Uh, he's a great comic artist. Uh, Dean Stahl, Mr. Dean Stahl will be the first interview of the show ever. Well, next to Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine and, uh, Mr. L and a few other public figure celebrities. Um, he'll be the first person in my comic, comic book circle, comic illustrator circle uh, to be interviewed. First things I want to go into are, are the movies. And, uh, just found out through Facebook on, uh, you know, you get these little threads that pop up on your Facebook wall, and I subscribed to a few of them, I guess. Um, there's this uh, website, I can't fully remember the name, but uh, I wish I could, because I could diss it. But it said, uh, soon to be filmed, or greenlit, something of that nature, I don't know if it's really good greenlit. but. Talks and discussion. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China 2. Now, when you hear Big Trouble in Little China 2, you think, sequel. That's definitely a sequel. Like, Okay. It's been a long, long time for old, uh, old Burton uh, back on the screen there. I bet he could still do it. But would Carpenter come back? Would some of the original cast come back? Would they start over? But no, it's a sequel, and a sequel is what sequel does. And, And then, here comes another thread. And this is probably, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 hours later, maybe the next day. The Rock, in talks, in discussion, to play Jack Burton in the reboot or the remake of Big Trouble Little China. Now, I love The Rock. I do. I love The Rock a lot. But first of all, don't tease us with a sequel of the original characters. So this website... Maybe I'll let I'll it in the, the website's name later because this was such faulty reporting. It said sequel, not remake. So we'll put this taste in everyone's mouth like, oh, cool, we're going to see some more of the old characters. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was pretty ticked. I was pretty ticked off. Uh, first of all, because that uh, that website lied to us, and then this one uh, coming out saying it's a remake. So I'm pissed off that it's a remake. All right, don't remake it because <sighs> you can't do the things in the movie that that were cool in the '80s. Um, and Jack and Jack Burton played by The Rock. That's not a fit. That's not. That's a different kind of Jack Burton. Yeah, that's a tough, big dude. I'm sure he's gonna play it tough, but the whole concept of Jack Burton is that he's the tough guy. But like <laughs> right when you expect him to save the day, he, he's a clumsy. He's a clumsy oaf. Clumsy, you know. A, you know, he, he starts off a battle. He shoots the roof. And the ceiling caves in on him. Cracks him in the head. He's out the rest of the fight. He's a comedy relief. And he's supposed to be the lead hero. And uh, Dennis Dunn, I believe that's his name, uh, plays Wang, is the guy that gets it done mostly. He does all the ass-kicking. And that's the whole joke. You know, which I hope. I, I'm sure that's what they're going to stick to, but if they don't stick to that formula, it's going to be like any other action movie where the lead hero kicks ass and it doesn't make itself different. Really Big Trouble on China, it's that, that, kind of like a, a comment on uh, making fun of a lot of the action movies in the 80s, in a way, and that's what was so kind of revolutionary about it. They kind of turn the action myth on its head a little bit, saying we're going to take the lead. We're gonna take him, and we're gonna make him kind of like the comedy relief. Really. But he does have his moments in that movie. He does have his moments. Um, he uh, grabs a knife in midair after uh, after the the emperor uh, throws a knife at him, and he catches it, and he. Chucks it back and throws it right in the guy's head. That takes some skill. It's all in the reflexes. But, uh, well, I gotta keep it short here. So I I could spend a whole podcast talking about big trouble in old China. And maybe I will. Maybe I will. Uh, but not this episode. Gotta keep it moving. Hey, I'm a reasonable guy. I've just experienced some unreasonable news. That's all. So, uh, moving on. Moving on. Um, I did get a chance to see. Avengers 2. Of course. Avengers 2 was. Was amazing. Had all the awesome action parts. Uh, Love James Spader as Ultron. The animation was really good on him. Uh, One of the great parts in the movie. Is when they make Vision. And spoilers here. Coming up. Vision is kind of made out of. Of. Jarvis and uh, Ultron is kind of kind of meddles in with with that because he's trying to Jarvis is trying to make a new physical body for himself, or Ultron. Ultron is trying to make a physical body for himself. Um, and but Ultron goes and makes a body using one of the defunct robots in the beginning, but he wants to make more of a more of a flesh kind of body for himself. Um, and uh, you know, Ultron. Uh, I'm sorry, but Jarvis ends up uh, grabbing the body at the end and uh, coming back to help defeat uh, Ultron, which was which was pretty great. Um, everyone's in top form here. Robert Downey Jr. Um, you know, the guy that plays Thor. <laughs> Name's not coming to me. Rip- coming to me right now. Um, Yeah, everyone's awesome. Uh, Scarlet Witch is good. Elizabeth Olsen plays Scarlet Witch, but I thought her costume wasn't that great. They needed to kind of work on it. I think towards the end of the movie, she's in full costume. It looks better. Um, Her powers aren't really clearly defined. But she did what she had to do with the screen time that she had. and It wasn't is actually not bad, but uh, I wasn't exactly blown away. But maybe that had something to do with the screen time—not really a lot of it. Um, the guy that plays Quicksilver plays him with a Russian accent, um, and he does his job. He's, he's not—you uh, know—really just blow me out of the water with his performance. Um, the speed in it is cool. But not as, you know, not as well shot or as memorable as uh, Quicksilver from, from uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, it's a fun story. It's, you know, um, you, it keeps you watching. keeps you watching. Um, I, you know, a lot of people were up in arms because the, it was supposed to be a darker film. Supposedly the way they advertised it. And... Uh, it seemed like it was going to be a heavier film uh, story-wise and uh, which there is a little bit but I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be I thought it was going to be heavier with the, it, it ended up being somewhat light of the story but it was well done it definitely it's worth going to see um, everyone showed up did their jobs punched in the time clock pretty good job I'll give that one, I'll give that one an 8 out of 10 Maybe eight and a half. Eight and a half out of ten is pretty good. Um, I'd say it's probably maybe a little bit better than the first. Because they use an actual comic villain. As opposed to like... But I mean, Loki was great in the first one. But you know, the alien army they call in is just uh, pretty generic. So this this army in this one is good because it's, it's the villain. It's, he clones himself. Makes a whole bunch of robots to look like him and fight the adventures, which is okay. That qualifies. Uh, Fury Road. Fury Road. Uh, boy, this was amazing. I went in there and, uh, I gotta tell you, man, I went into this theater. It was loud. Um, I saw it in 3D and, uh, you know, there's a lot of car chases and explosions. The whole theater was shaking. And I'm thinking, well, this must be the sound, right? The vibration. The sound is making the seats vibrate. I look down at the seats. There's a little meter. A little red lit meter. The the seat is shaking. It's vibrating seats. In this theater in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And, uh... Don't ask me what I was doing in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. I don't want to know either. Uh, didn't end well. That's a story. That's a story <laughs> for another day, it should be told another time. Um, but uh, boy, the movie just gets right to it. It doesn't really build it up too much, but it gets you right involved with it, a little voiceover. Um, it's an awesome, I love the credit to the opening title. It's definitely got some balls nice design element to it it's nice and bold it's not subtle at all i like it um, it was great seeing mad uh, mad max's car again although it's only in there for about i don't know two or two minutes but you love to see it again um the rest of the movie he's gonna get uh spoilers right now spoilers he's gonna get uh yeah he's gonna get chained up for a while and he's gonna be without his car they put a big muzzle on big metal, metal muzzle on him and uh, he's got to break out of this little cave that they trapped him in all these uh, minions bald-headed minions and uh, he's got to escape and so it's a really well shot sequence of him escaping there's an awesome shot of him jumping off the cliff onto a hook and uh, which is like you know like a mile above the earth out of this cave he's swinging on this hook and right when you think well he's going to swing away or climb the the chain the momentum brings him forward again and all the minions grab him again and I thought that was so against conventions you know usually the hero would jump on the chain like maybe Indiana Jones and he would like climb the chain and get out of there somehow but no you know he gets on the chain he goes back and then he gets back and they grab him again by the legs and uh there is some uh, <laughs> Pat the George Miller craziness going on. Uh, there, there's women, uh, big large breasts women, uh, giving uh, breast milk uh, for people to drink. And they've been being filled into uh, vials, and then this guy picks, you know, grabs the vial and drinks it. It's pretty, pretty disturbing. And uh, of course, there's a little, you know, a short little dude. <laughs> So he's got to be a short little dude in any one of his movies, you know, in his little cradle, calling the shots, behind yeah, his big uh, periscope. Um, yeah, you really got to see it to, to really get to take that kind of thing in, and uh, I tried to make this short, uh, the scenes were just so awesome, it was so breathtaking to watch actual practical effects and great stunt work, and to see Max back. and. Uh, Tom Hardy, you know, he had a tough he had a t- he had a tough because he had to kinda carry the torch for Mel. And uh, you know, that's a tough performance to to emulate. And uh, you know, I could imagine what do I what do I do? Do I do exactly what Mel did or do I do my own thing? He finds a happy medium between the two. He does a little bit what Mel did and then he does his own thing with his with his voice. And a different voice inflection, but makes it an Australian voice, and uh, it's actually pretty amazing how he carries the film in it, you know. But, I mean, he's not alone. I mean, uh, Charlie's, Charlie's there, and definitely uh, holds her end of the deal. She gets a lot of screen time. So It's, it's almost, it's pretty much a partner film, a buddy film. And uh, she's excellent in it, too. You know, um, she's got a mechanical hand, which the effects are well done on. They use spare and the CG's, use well, that's what I love about this is CGI is used very sparingly and uh, the practical effects just take over, just remind you why uh, why 80s m- movies are so much more memorable than a lot, a lot of the movies they're making today <laughs> and just feel so much more authentic, you know, because real stunt work and real practical effects are being done and the CG is very limited. There's like a sandstorm scene, uh, which... Which is well done, but it's CG, you know. But uh, you forget them. just because there's so much amazing work that the, that they're doing down there in Australia. Just amazing. Uh, I'll give that one about, about a nine out of ten. Would have been ten, in, it would have been ten if uh, Mel Gibson was in it. But nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Cool to see the villain back, the guy that played the villain in the first movie back in this one. That's amazing to me that he did such a great job and that he used the same actor from the first one good good for him who knows how much work that guy was getting at the time that's great (laughs) anyway i gotta keep it moving here about nine out of ten for fury road i was really impressed and i'm really surprised that it won me over to give me a nine so i can give a nine out of ten all right well uh enough with that we're moving out of the movie zone we're going to enter the the comic zone because like I said uh, I had a nice little interview at the end of this one you're going to want to listen up for that um, so in one of the comics that I picked up uh, i continuing to read the The Dark Tower Saga in illustrated form um, what I read was been reading The Prisoner and The Prisoner is um, spoilers ahead, okay, here. He is Eddie, played by Eddie Dean, and Eddie Dean is addicted to heroin. In fact, in the prophecy of the earlier novel, The Gunslinger, it said that uh, he has like this uh, monkey on his back and a demon on his back, and this monkey demon is called heroin. And Roland, the main, the leader, the protagonist of the main saga, he, uh, you know, he has to kind of, you know, assemble Eddie Dean as part of his team, and he he goes into, he has to go through a doorway, and the doorway leads him into New York uh, sometime in the, sometime in the 80s, and uh, Eddie Dean is drawn a lot younger than I thought he was in the books. You know, he looks a lot younger, like, he looks like he's drawn, like, 16, 17 years old, if not. It's a very simple uh, you know, drawing style. Not a lot of lines in the faces. But, uh, uh, it's not bad. It, I, it's not great. It's, just, it's just kind of like it, it's a pleasant kind of style to, to, to look at. Uh, a little bit looser, a little bit cartoony. Uh, probably slightly better than average. But nothing that's going to be like wow. This, you got to look out for this for this artist. Maybe eventually he'll get he'll get into his style a bit more, but not bad. Uh, very simplistic style on Roland. Um, his eyes are obscured by shadow quite a bit from his hat. Uh, but I just, I love that you get to see it play out visually. Um, he enters uh, Eddie Dean's mind, Roland does, and uh, every time he does, you see Eddie's eyes open up, and he's got blue eyes, as opposed to his regular, I think they're brown or black eyes, and and uh, so you got that scenario where Roland is kind of calling the shots and possessing Eddie Ding once in a while to show him what to do or tell him what to do next. Um, so that that's kind of fun. And then you get to see him, uh, you know, uh, deal with the gangsters a little bit, bring the gangsters into where Roland is. And uh, the Roland's on a beach. And there's these big lobstrosities, that's what they're called. And there's these, like, lobster like. Creature, alien-like creatures that are on this beach that chopped off Roland's uh, two of Roland's fingers, disabling him from being, you know, a, a great gunslinger. So now he's had a handicap, handicap. And uh, so the this mob guy that was bugging uh, Eddie gets dragged into and uh, into, into uh, in through the doorway into the beach, into a different world, and. Uh, it's a nice little scene where um, uh, Gun uh, Roland's gun is about to fire, but it gets you know it's water damage, so uh, the gangster pulls his gun. But then Eddie kind of shoves him into the background, and the, the Lobstrosities get this guy and tear him apart. And uh, no, it, it, it was cool. It was cool. I'm looking forward to more of these these issues. Um, it's quite the saga ahead. There's a lot of books. I obviously I can't collect every book. This is too much. it's too many issues, so gotta have to find another way around that. Um, boy, I, got, I thought I'd be keeping it short. I guess not. Um, I'll have to say the rest of the comic news for uh, for next time. Um, maybe next time I'll talk about Secret Wars. Uh, Secret Wars by Marvel, but. I am going to take this time to uh, kind of pimp my own stuff here. Uh, rage number three. Rage number three uh, will be done this year, 2015. I know I said that two years ago, but this is, this is for real. This is for real, damn it. Um, so yeah, he's going to be done. Uh, he's going he's cooking. The, the pages are done. i got to send it off to the printers. And uh, make get some copies made. Uh, the covers done. The back covers done. I might make a couple changes after the first prototype, but it's done. I gotta send it out. So uh, probably next month or two. I want to do it next month. Let's say I'm in June. Or June right now. Uh, start getting it out for the summer, and uh, go out to a convention or two and promote it. After that, I'm on to Fourth Hour, and uh, it's looking good. It's looking good. So, well, without further ado, um, I'm going to set this up for you. This is a, a comic uh, comic artist of mine, a buddy of mine, uh, Dean Stahl, who uh, he's been in the he's been in the uh, independent industry for a while. He's been uh, into comics for a while. He's been drawing for a long time. And uh, if anything, go check out his his stuff. He's got his website up. He'll tell you all about it. Uh, it's a pretty fun. Uh, Pretty fun book, uh, webcomic, comic, uh, headlocks and headaches, and uh, well, enough of me, enough the uh, rambling. But uh, after the interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up, and uh, yeah, enjoy. Pretty much, we're gonna
1: start off with how long have you been an indie comic comic book artist or illustrator?
2: Um, I'd consider myself having done so for. What twenty five years?
1: Okay, okay. Um, what at what point did you decide? Well, I want to I want to pursue this for, you know, I want to take this further oh, knew, and do it
2: professionally. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew from age <laughs> eleven. Okay. Ever, ever since I was reading, uh, I think it was Marvel Saga, where it was like this this comic book full of like clips of the past of Marvel's history. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to draw this stuff for myself, and everything about my life has just been in service of trying to get to that goal.
1: Right, you kind of just got bit by the bug, it was like, do you remember, do you even remember like the comic that you were reading where it's like, where it's like, that's it, like I'm doing this, that's all there is to it, or is it just yeah, oh, pretty yeah. random, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, because I, I was before that, I was reading like all of John Byrne's Fantastic Four and uh-huh. know, backtracking through his Captain America run, and just wanting to be him. Mm-hmm. And then you know, just take it, just going through years where I had had to learn that I couldn't be him; I needed to be me, mm-hmm. and just had to learn to do what I do. So,
1: yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of artists have to kind of figure that out eventually. Some get it later than others. You know, it's like, yeah. well, I got to kind of do my own thing and kind of be a little less dependent on on the influences. So that's pretty much, so he's like one of your main influences. Are there any other that stand out?
2: Oh, uh, sure. Oh, yeah, there's, there's. you know, I, I looked at a lot of Jack Kirby stuff. I read all of uh, Will Eisner's books. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Kevin McGuire was a big influence because when he was doing the uh, the Justice League, during those uh, blah ha, ha years, his facial expressions were just outstanding. Mm-hmm. So I used to imitate his stuff to just try to figure out how to make people look expressive.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely had some amazing facial expressions in those panels, some really funny ones, too. I remember. So that's great. That's great. Um, so the the webcomic that you're promoting is Headlocks and Headaches, uh-huh. right? Yes. And uh, what made you want to start a comic based on wrestling?
2: Well, it's something that I've been interested in since '84 with the uh, with Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And most of the examples I've seen done with comics and wrestling had not been all that great. I mean, there's some be- much better choices now. Mm-hmm. I can point like to ten different guys I know who are doing some great stuff, but. I knew that I wanted to, to tell some story that, you know, just kind of conveyed why I loved wrestling and the relationship that I had with my brother over wrestling because it's like the only thing we ever bonded over.
1: Hmm. That's pretty neat. I like that. It, um, well, what made you want to make it like a webcomic instead of like a regular comic, or is it a regular first, then you made it a webcomic?
2: Well, I, I kind of tripped and stumbled when I started out. I, I thought I was going to do like your standard web comic where it was going to be four panels mm-hmm. every strip and have like, you know, the quick punchline. And that just wasn't the kind of style I like to work. It's just not what I like to do. So I expanded and just let it grow to like, you know, your standard comics with the, the full page sort of stuff, the, you know, the five to six panels per page. And it was going to be book format and, you know, made into just a comic that was going to go on the web first. And doing the web was really because it's just the, the easiest point of access. I don't have to do anything other than just have the web space and put the comic up.
1: Hmm. Right. So, you, you know, you don't have to spend the money on the issues and, and then, you know, going out and going to the conventions or, or the stores or what have you. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah, more... It,
2: it, Nobody, yeah. had to wait. Nobody had to wait until I could afford to get the book out before I could actually start promoting it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, all right. That's, that's, all, that's all great stuff to know. And um, I see that it's colored and everything. Did you color it yourself, or did you hire somebody?
2: When I started, I was coloring it myself, but it, it took me like 12 hours to get a strip done, and I wow. just didn't think that was really really time-effective. So yeah. I let it run black and white for a while. And then when I started doing actual issue-based, uh, I solicited out for some, some coloring help and found somebody who was willing to do it for me. And been, I've been rolling with that ever since.
1: That's great. That's great. Because um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, everyone wants to see, you know, indie comics a lot of people. That's why I've heard that they want to see. Well, where's the color? You know, <laughs> they don't understand yeah. that it's a very time consuming process. You know, then yeah, to make definitely. it look good, it's yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing right there. Um, I, I so I was reading some of it, and you opted to come on. I was thinking like, well, this could be. You know, I'm I'm surprised no one has done like a serious web comic. If you you know, but you made it comedic. What was uh, what? What made you want to kind of go that route with it? Is it just something that just, you didn't even think well, about? or
2: Well, I, I mean, it kind of is a bit of a holdover from when I started because I wanted it to be a, a humorous, lighthearted comic just because humor is something I really enjoy and I didn't want to be so, you know, head down and, and deep into it where I was, like, taking it way too seriously. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to be fun, and you know, like watching the the Hulk Hogan era stuff. That was all fun.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
2: bigger than life characters doing bigger than life things, and I was trying to reflect that with the humor in the in the strip.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of like make it like a like a Sunday Sunday uh, Sunday comic in the newspaper in a way, like that kind of yeah humor. Yeah, cool, man. Um well, I think I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I want to get to, um, you know, some information like how can people get a hold of you, what's your website, um, just plug away okay. right here.
2: All right. Well, you can read the webcomic at headlocksandheadaches.com. Uh, you can see more of my other artwork at DeviantArt under deanstallart.deviantart.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash You can follow me on Twitter at Dean underscore Stahl.
1: All right. And and they can get, uh, is there a print copy they can order, or is it just exclusively web?
2: Uh, If you see me at a show, I will have print copies available. I don't have them for sale over the web at the moment. I just take them with me to shows that I go to and sell them there. Excellent. uh, Oh, you can get the, no. I take that back. You can get the first issue on Comicsology, mm-hmm. and I think it's only a buck ninety-nine for the digital version. But there, there is no print version you can buy from them; just a digital.
1: So this could probably be even downloaded to like a Kindle or a uh, uh, an but iPad.
2: Device that will an iPad and uh, your Android phone. If you, you have a comic reader. Yeah, you, yeah. You, can, you can pretty much read it anywhere. Cause I, think it's, I think it's a CVZ file, but it might also be a PDF. I don't remember.
1: All right, man. And uh, any conventions that you're going to be hitting up re- or soon or within this year? yeah. Yep. I, I will you? be at
2: Heroes Con uh, in a couple of weeks over the weekend of the uh, 19, 20, 21st of June. That's in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Then I'll be in uh, Grand Rapids for the uh, Grasp Comics Expo. Uh, I'll also be doing the Cincinnati Comic-Con in September and then follow that up with uh, Baltimore Comic-Con. And that's that's about all I've got planned for right now. I think there's one more in the works, but it's not official yet. So,
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right. We're going to wrap it up. But, man, it's been great talking to you. Um you know, uh, I know Dean uh, personally for some years, and uh, he's a great guy. He loves to talk about comics, and uh, he works hard, people. So go check out his website, at least.
2: and uh, Thank you very much. So,
0: what do you think of the interview, guys? My first interview, uh, first interview by a comic artist, uh, buddy of mine. I mean, what you think? Uh, go ahead and uh, leave comments on, uh, on the webpage on Podbean there. Where you, where you downloaded this and uh, or just uh, let me know on my blog on Lightning Productions um, that's also uh, a link to that's also on my uh, Amp Palace webpage okay um, yeah thank you very much guys I'm sorry this took so long Ugh, I'm going to try to just make these shorter I have no choice I have no choice but, uh, until then Long days and pleasant nights.